This book is not what the movie is. This is the first book. The movie will be the fourth book. You know what I'm saying? I'm. And it's has the fourth book already came out? Nope. Just this is the only one so far. This is the I'm first sorry, book. I'm sorry. I hate this. <laughs> i hate everything it's, about this concept it's confusing and then they're they they we don't know who this author is ellie conway it's like she's a mystery nobody knows who she really is is she somebody like is it somebody famous that's like using a ghost writing name we don't know but that's also the name of the character that bryce dallas howard is playing I am Raven Brunner, the host and creator of the Upscreen Podcast, where we talk about the exciting crossover between the movies and television world and the theater world. Today, I will be joined by Pop Culture Planet's Kristen Mononato to discuss a few recent releases like Lisa Frankenstein and Argyle, and to also fully debrief over the Has Been Hotel finale. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and be sure to like, comment, and share with your friends. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Good, Raven. How are you, my friend? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for joining the Upscreen Podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you about everything movies and TV and theater related. Me too. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I am so excited to introduce you as um, the critic, the very talented critic that Sam Haft mentioned in my first episode, who performed um, Dream Girls during the open mic at the Hasbin Hotel New York City premiere. That's literally iconic. Stop, stop. <laughs> I know I called you like immediately after we finished recording, but like what was going through your mind during that moment? And how are you feeling now that days have passed? Oh my gosh, I was shook. I was shooketh. Um, that was really cool for him to give a little shout out. I messaged him also saying thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the love. Um, you know, I, I feel like I guess in, in my head, I'm like, oh, people know I sing, but I, I like forget that like that was like me in my youth, you know, like nobody really knows that now because it's not really like resources to just like go and you know perform places so it like I don't know I was just like this would be really fun you know if they're doing like an open mic to just get up there and, and sing and you know I'm available for season two <laughs> I'm gonna drag you to more open mics like you have fans out here we're all dying for more <laughs> oh my gosh I would love to let's go let's go karaoke it up Let's go, let's go. Um, before we get too much into our actual conversation, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know where they can find you online. Yeah, so um, I'm Krista Maldonado. I'm a TV and film critic and an entertainment journalist and an on-camera host. And I founded the outlet popcultureplanet.net um, where we cover the world of entertainment while also shining a light on representation and inclusion. So you can find me personally at kmaldo, pretty much everywhere, K-A-Y-M-A-L-D-O, or um, at popcultplanet or popcultureplanet.net. Awesome. As you know, I have long followed you and Pop Culture Planet. I am a huge fan of your work. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that... You have just such like an important voice when it comes to the the movies and TV community, um, especially when it comes to representation, uh, mm -hmm. diverse representation. So huge fan. Uh, just quickly, can you talk a little bit about how your personal brand and Pop Culture Planet has kind of evolved since its creation? Oh, my gosh. It's definitely changed a lot. <laughs> you know, but when I first started Pop Culture Planet, it was like a podcast first as like a way during the pandemic to sort of connect with other creatives and other like people making film and TV content online. Um, and then it slowly 
kind of morphed into like these deeper conversations about representation and inclusion. And, you know, um, I ended up having conversations with people like Jorge Gutierrez, who's the creator of like Maya and the Three and the Book of Life and just hearing like his perspective on, you know, Latinos in Hollywood and like why all our shows are being canceled and like, you know, how we need to support each other or um, Dante Vasco from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, who was talking about like, you know, when you think about it over the last like a hundred years, like Hollywood has just been notoriously a white space. So like, it's exciting now to like be able to be a voice in helping, you know, just connect with more people outside of just one, you know, type of person who we know likes, you know, whether it's action or horror or whatever it is, you know, like that, um, there's, there's like a space for all of us. And I think it's so important to see that representation, like on screen, behind the scenes, and even in criticism, because when you think about it, like the way that these shows and movies are being seen is by word of mouth or by, you know, getting other people's opinions around tomatoes and stuff. And if you only have like a straight white guy reviewing things, you're not going to hear other people's perspectives that maybe you might, you would like something that maybe someone else doesn't like because that's not their niche or that's not their thing or they're not the type of person that would connect with that, but someone else is. And so are you, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And and as you mentioned, it's it's like we've known for hundreds of years that Hollywood has always been a very like predominantly white space. And then I feel like there's a lot of exposure on the diversity during, you know, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement and during COVID when we were able to make um, movies and television like screeners more accessible for smaller outlets and upcoming outlets. And now it just seems like we have reverted back to the pre-2020 era and we're all just hustling out here. Yeah, we're just, we're all hustling. Every day we're hustling. But we are going to pick this back up. You know, this podcast is for the theater geeks out here. So I would love to know a little bit about your introduction to the world of theater and musicals. Um, For me personally, Mm -hmm. I was a theater kid for as long as I could remember. I loved the movie My Fair Lady when I was a kid, even though now I could not tell you anything about My Fair Lady like years later. Uh, I also wasn't a big Disney person, but I really... (laughs) I really resonated with The Little Mermaid and I still do. And like Ariel has always just been like my queen. Then in middle school, I started doing theater, but it was very much like the straight traditional plays that you're introduced to, um, like, you know, Shakespeare and and some of the classics like that. And then when Glee came out, my dad actually introduced the show to me. He's a big uh, Fox animation person and a big TV person. So he was like, oh, this theater show is coming out and we watched it all as a family. And I have just been insufferable and changed ever since. So that is my story. I would love to hear a little bit about your journey into the theater world. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. That's so fun. That Glee's like a, a family affair for you. It was, we that. all watched and debriefed over, I think the first three seasons. Uh, my dad was in the military, so he got deployed a lot, but we used to have like weekly recaps. Like he would continue to watch it um, when he was away and we would like debrief about it every week. So it's always been a big family show for me. And then we all like stopped when I got, I guess, in quotes, too old for stuff like that. Or maybe I was going through like an angsty teen period, but it was definitely in those later high school years that we all just kind of fell off of it. But Glee is so important to like me and my theater journey and like my relationship with my family, I think. I love that. Well, for me, um, I grew up really, really shy and quiet. And so my mom would like hear me singing in the shower and was like, oh, well, what if we just like 
put her in musical theater class and see how she does. Um, and I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. Like, I'm too shy. Like, absolutely not. Um, but so she signed me up for this class. It was like a community theater um, that had like classes where you could learn about like, you know, performing and maybe make friends and stuff. And so I went to the class and made a couple friends. Um, and then they were like, oh, we need like ensemble members for a young people's production of Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. So I was like, uh, and then all my friends are like, we're going to do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it too. We'll, we'll do it together. Um, and then we, you know, I remember I sang, um, don't cry for me, Argentina. And, um, and then I auditioned in the lobby and then I was in the show. And then from there, I don't know, it, I like it, it like changed my life where like I became more outgoing and I made friends and I had all these friends from like the, the community around, um that were all like doing theater like from different schools um and I didn't really do theater in in high school I think I did like one show but I it wasn't really my thing there because you know there was a lot of like oh this person you know what is that when like someone's gonna get the role because like they know somebody and you know so I liked the community theater better and I did that all throughout high school I think I started in like maybe ninth grade and then I, I studied it in college for three of my four years before I was like, I need a job. So I was like, how can I combine my love of like theater, like performing with something that will be a career, maybe talking about it. And I was like, ah, oh, broadcast journalism. I'm going to be an entertainment journalist. And, um, and that's, that's my, yeah, my journey with musical theater. And now I just, you know, I, try to go to karaoke when I can or like go see shows like I love going to see Broadway shows um but yeah that's that's kind of my theater journey <laughs> I love it it is so interesting that you mentioned not being able to really fit in with that like high school musical theater community because I felt the same and I went to a performing arts college for my final two years uh, oh. or not college sorry a performing arts high school for my final two years and because That's I transferred true. into it I always felt so like alienated by the general theater community because I you know they were there for the last four years <laughs> yeah I did one my like senior year I switched to like I did half day at my high school and half day at like a like a like a high school that was for musical theater and I I was like this was the worst decision I ever made <laughs> yes yes no I actually did not do I went there I so I, I transferred the schools for the drama department and then I stopped doing it my senior year like I only did it for one year and I was like I can never go back to this but bringing it back to movies and television I actually could not get through or could not motivate myself to watch theater camp last year because it was so triggering to me like I every oh, time I, I watched the trailer and I was gonna ask you for your thoughts on it um but all I did was watch the trailer and for me I always related more to like the social outcast of musical theater like I I was Glee. I, and I wasn't like Rachel Berry. I was like Kurt in Glee. <laughs> um, rather than like, I feel like theater camp, to me, it was advertised to kind of focus around like the cool, stereotypical musical theater kids. So what was your thoughts on the movie? Did you watch You watched it, you said. Yes, I loved it. it. I thought it was so real. And it reminded me, I feel like it's this generation's camp. Did you ever watch that? Oh, movie? I love camp. That's the Anna Kendrick, like baby yeah, Anna Kendrick. Yeah, yeah. I loved that movie. And so I was like, th those two together would be a great double feature. And I feel like what I liked about th this one is that it was like a love letter, but also like making fun of it all to, you know, a love letter to theater, but also making fun of theater so bad. Um, and I love Jimmy Tatro. I just think he's so funny. And he kind of brings in 
that perspective where like even if you're not a theater kid like you can watch this and you'll be cracking up still you know like I felt like it was still like broad enough that anybody could watch it the person that you mentioned is that the person from the clip where someone is singing like is it Mac Miller song and he gets uh, oh, up it's, um, post he, like, audition. yeah and he's like yeah whenever <laughs> I see that clip I always have to retweet it with the caption this is what being a glee theater kid feels like <laughs> because it's like the pop culture the, the top 40s of it all you know yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. oh go on absolutely go on. no I was gonna say like it, that stuff it reminds me of like like I said I didn't do the, the theater in high school but I did it in the community and like so it reminds me of that and also I was in show choir in college and so like all of that stuff <laughs> all yeah. that nerdy stuff I'm just like yeah I love it <laughs> well you mentioned that the movie seemed very like real world to you so like me saying that it like triggered me isn't necessarily like a bad thing like I, I would never knock on a movie that I've never seen that's like not the type of person that I am but I get that like maybe it was just too real for me in in the the place that I'm in in my life right now I can't go back to those days oh it's so good I like miss it when I watch stuff like that I'm like oh. I miss the good old days when you could just like you we were doing shows like you were in like a show every every week you know like it was like the you'd you'd um rehearse for a couple months you'd do the show then you'd have another show and another show and I feel like when I got into college it was like you, you know you're auditioning and you might not get in and so then it was like such a weird I don't know dynamic because I don't know I was just so used to always being in a show I don't know well I because building off of that like my thoughts on it is when I was doing community theater and I was, you know, in high school in those younger ages, that was like my life. Like that was, uh, sorry, my phone just rang and I'm going to go on. Do not disturb. <laughs> Oops. Um, that was like my life outside of school. Like that was, um, I had my school responsibilities and that was like my adulting responsibility somewhat. And then when you get to college, it is more like you have adult responsibilities, your school responsibilities, and then you still want to do the theater production. Like, mm -hmm. I just feel like I got so overwhelmed so quick. And I was oh, yeah. like, this is not for me. In college, I think I was like the tiredest I ever was in my life. Like, I, I was doing so many activities. I was much more active than I was in like high school with like clubs and stuff and trying to audition for the shows. And, you know, I was like an orientation leader and like, a you know, like a guide around the campus. And like, I re remember that like I would fall asleep for like a nap and then like miss like three classes and be like, oh my God, like what year is it? There's tons of stuff I want to talk to you about. Don't want to keep you on here too long. Um, Getting onto the topic of like recent releases. I know that you recently saw Lisa Frankenstein, which is on our latest streaming guide. And it was created by Diablo Cody, who wrote the script for the Jagged Little Pill musical. Can you oh. talk to me a little bit about this movie and, and your thoughts on it? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So Lisa Frankenstein, it's kind of got vibes, I would say of like, Tim Burton movies meets maybe like weird science from the 80s mm -hmm. and it's you know this girl kind of doesn't really fit in and she has a crush on somebody and she's also kind of fascinated by this grave site near her that like a, a cute deceased statue I guess is at and um it it turns into a little bit of like a Bonnie and Clyde sort of situation I guess to help him become more human-like I guess because he's he become he's like a zombie in a way um I will say this was a movie that I was expecting to love it 
I loved the cast, the costumes, the sets. It's very like dark and neon and like just really cool looking. But I felt like the story wasn't quite there. It wasn't giving. It wasn't giving. Um, yeah, I, I left feeling disappointed. Like I think that if it was like a tighter story or just like there was there was a lot of interesting elements. And then by the end, I felt like we kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, or they could have gone further with certain things, but like visually and like the camera work and the colors and everything like that, I really loved. So yeah, for me, it, it, it makes slight work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you also saw Argyle, but you told me that Ariana DeBose didn't really have a big role in it. Do you think there's anything kind of special there with that movie? The, the critics have been a little mixed. I actually really loved the movie. I thought it was really funny, very ridiculous, over the top, like whatever you like whatever you see in the trailer times that by like 200 because it's not yes. like they don't show anything in the trailer. They show like the first 20 minutes maybe, like little bits, but then it gets like insane. Ariana DeBose, I wouldn't say she has like a huge part in it. Um it is like a a part that has like a purpose. But like Good. there's there's definitely like so many names and the people that you think are the leads might not be, you know, like not everyone has the same amount of screen time is what I'll say out of like that big star studded cast. That sounds really fun. Okay, you might have sold me on it. I every time I say I see the trailer, I think it looks so cheesy and I'm like, oh, I'll just wait until I can stream it at home. But yeah. it sounds like one that would be fun to watch on the big screen. Yeah, that I definitely think it would be fun to watch on the big screen. Um, I do think it gets a little confusing at the end just because like Matthew Vaughn is trying to do something crazy with this movie um, in terms of like, I think he's trying to create like a big franchise, but it's based off of a book that people don't really know. Like mm -hmm. it's brand new. The They're like trying to create hype around the author who the author is also the name of the main character uh, that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is playing. So the the inspiration is supposed to be that like imagine if jk rowling wrote, was writing all these harry potter books four books in finds out wait this is real but and i've been writing this story not knowing that it's real and now i'm getting like thrust into the world and so this movie is technically supposed to be what would be the fourth book of this you know argyle book franchise and then there's like an end credit scene that I guess is supposed to tease the first book. I'm lost now, you know, like I'm confused, but he's trying to do something. He's trying to do something yeah. really big. And this first movie was so much fun. So I'm excited to see like if it does well and he does make this huge franchise, like what will that look like? I hate to say it, but I'm so tired of franchises. Like, I can't get into this. <laughs> it's also so confusing to explain. I'm like, how did how did he pitch this to somebody? Because like, I I'm like a prequel, and he's like, no, no, it's not a prequel. It's it's we're just starting with the fourth book, and then we're gonna. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But but you know, maybe once we see it all, it'll you know, we'll get it. <laughs> I like that. It sounds really fresh. Like, I think we mm -hmm. need something to kind of shake things up. Um, do, do you know if it's based on any like source material or is it completely it's, original? It's based off of this book. Like there's this. Uh, oh, yes. Have you read the book? I haven't read the book yet, 
I got it at Comic-Con. But see, this book is not what the movie is. This is the first book. The movie will be the fourth book. You know what I'm saying? I'm. And has the fourth book already came out? Nope. Just this is the only one so far. This is the I'm first sorry, book. I'm sorry, I hate this. <laughs> i hate everything it's, about this concept it's confusing and then they're they they we don't know who this author is ellie conway it's like she's a mystery nobody knows who she really is is she somebody like is it somebody famous that's like using a ghost writing name we don't know but that's also the name of the character that bryce dallas howard is playing they have been planning this for a really long time they would have had to in order to get this yeah sort of thing rolling yeah, but this book only just came out like January 9th of this year. So losing my mind over this. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was a lot. That was a lot to break down. Thank you so much for taking the lead on that one. You're welcome. It is um, <laughs> Last 12 minutes, I want to talk about everything Hasbin Hotel. Just for some context for our listeners, um, Hasbin Hotel is an animated musical comedy that Recently premiered on Prime Video, it follows the Princess of Hell, Charlie, who is played by Mean Girls' Erica Henningsen, as she opens up a rehabilitation center for sinners in hopes of getting them into heaven. The show is very raunchy, not safe for work. It's fun, has tons of these Broadway voices. And they recently aired the season one finale, and Kristen and I are going to break it down as best as we can. So Kristen, for you, what are your overall thoughts on the finale? And do you think that the season wrapped up nicely? Because I know you and I had conversations towards the beginning of um, the the season launch where we were like, oh, it seems like they're introducing a lot at once. Yes, it is a lot. And I think, I think that it's hard to do what they did in eight episodes. They like made it happen. Um, but I think that there were some times when they kind of had to skim over some things or like you didn't get as much detail as you would like on certain things. Um, just because there's so much that like, how can you possibly do that in eight episodes? Um, and there were so many characters I felt like they were introducing that I was starting to get confused a little bit of like, who's who, who's who. But I think when it came down to it, like the core group of friends at Hasbun Hotel, like that's what people want to see. And I think that they did those like fairly well. Like I loved when they dove deeper into like specific characters and their relationships, like, you know, getting a different weird take on Lucifer or, you know, getting to dive deeper into Angel Dust or Vaggy stories and being like, oh, what? That's what that. But I think for me, the thing that that really excited me was the lore of like what they're introducing and that idea, which is very like the good place-esque of, you know, can people be redeemed? Like, let's say you died and you went to hell, like, could you ever get a chance to get out and get a second chance? And I thought that that's like a really interesting idea because like, you can never know that. Like, we'll never really know that because we're alive, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, we'd um, never be able to explore those themes as we yeah. are now, you know? Yeah, and so it's like interesting, I think, to see people like take on that idea and like, you know, flip it on its head and give us something, you know, different. And I think that they also did a really cool job of discussing like that idea of like, yes, there's heaven and hell, but like there could be bad people in both of those places. Um, and also like, they don't even know what it, takes to get into heaven like so what does it take to get into hell you know like how do you know that these people are where they belong anyway if there's no like set rules 
Um, I did think like when we got to like that finale finale episode where it's like a big war, like I was expecting that to be something in the future. But so that to me just means that like, I think this is just the first, you know, battle in a, in a bigger thing. Um, because like how that can't be, that can't be it. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree that? with everything that you said. I have to, you mentioned Lucifer. This podcast is 100% a Lucifer fan club. No hate here. Um, when rubber it comes ducks. to the topic, right? Oh my gosh, I'm going to start. That's, we'll I'm redecorating my entire studio now. Um, when it comes to them tackling too much, I really felt that way. And I don't think, I, I enjoyed the show from the beginning, but I don't think I really understood it until maybe episode five or six. I mean, I think it was episode six when they go to heaven when I was like oh I'm starting to get what they're doing here um but when it came to the end and like looking back on things I'm really grateful that I think that they tackled so much that they did because over eight episodes I felt as though I fully understood the characters like you know they're not fully understood obviously they have some different character directions and different arcs that they're going on but towards the end like when I was watching the finale I like knew these characters and I felt like I really knew the characters and I also really knew the dynamic between hell and heaven which seems like that would be impossible to achieve in eight 30 minute episodes you know I, I felt really comfortable um with the lore of the series like you said um by the finale by the last two episodes yeah and then I I felt like even like at the very end like those last like two minutes I was like wow that just to me shows like what you can accomplish in two minutes because it like just completely blew my mind that whole like reveal of where they're basically going for season two. So, you know, I don't know. I thought that was just like very impressive to be able to like, okay, we think it's wrapped up. And then it's like, wait a minute, we just completely shifted gears in two minutes. And now I'm even more excited to see where it goes next. They did it in such a perfect way because I know that I have been complaining to you that I was so worried it would end on a cliffhanger. I don't like cliffhangers. And I think that with the season already being as short as it was, I was like, you have to reward your audience at the end. Like, you cannot leave me like this. And I enjoyed that they kind of resolved the the bigger plot of the first season. And then they just introduced the new topic. So like, we know the show got a, a two season renewal, but if it got like, canceled right now I wouldn't be like on my hands and knees like crying you know like Ooh, we know what happened know. I, I think I'd be stressed because the, I feel like the whole Lilith of it all now I'm like I need to know like what because she's the one that clearly had a bigger plan Adam was just a pawn you know he didn't he's the first man he's not doing anything he's just following orders from somebody that's you know more conniving or you know has some other secret plan Definitely. I'm excited to see where they go in that like direction. And then another thing that really confused me about the end of season one was whatever direction they're going with the Alistair character. We kind of see him have this like evil nervous breakdown after um, Adam strikes him down. I I ran a poll on Twitter as I was watching it live when the episodes dropped and it got over like 100 votes. But people seemed very 50-50 on whether Alistair was going to turn against Charlie in the hotel or not. What do you think is going on there? What was your read of that entire scene? Okay, I think that it is a red herring. Yeah. I think that they are wanting us to think that Alistair is a bad guy, but I think Alistair, whatever his plan is, I don't think it's going to, like, I, it's, to me it seemed like maybe he wants to be the overlord of hell or, or the, the head of hell, 
potentially, but I think whatever it is, I don't think that it would be against Charlie. I think it would be against the V's. Like, I, I think that, I think that it's whatever's going to happen. It's going to be like, oh no, is he? And then it's going to be like, no, he's, he's still, it's, they're just trying to trick us. This is what I think. What do you mm. think? No, that's smart. I really like that. Um, I think my initial thought was that he was turning on Charlie because when I rewatched the episodes, he has that like heart to heart with Nifty where he says something. They're like at the bar, uh, not at the bar, they're at the hotel and they're all drinking and getting together before the actual attack. And he tells Nifty like, oh, you know, I I could get used to this or, you know, I'm starting to feel like a family here and stuff like that. And that just made me feel like he went into the project with these like nefarious reasons. Maybe Um, he did, yeah. But I maybe... He'll still be like, uh, I guess we are family now. I like Alistair. I love a little, I love a little, um, like the, the, the black sheep of the family situation. Yeah. Maybe that's I what it'll like be. I could see him being like an anti-hero kind of guy. Yes. Oh my God. Taylor Swift right here. Yeah. Alistair. Um, I know that you mentioned something about Alistair kind of going, how you hope what your predictions are is that Alistair is going to kind of go head more head to head with the V's. My mm-hmm. expectations for season two are not even expectations, but just like hopes and like deep desires is that it's so much, I, I want it to be more contained. I feel like they can do that now that they've established the lore of the show. And I would love to just see it take place mostly in hell and just kind of explore the V's a little bit more. I feel like they, they introduced Vox as like a really strong character and then took him oh, away from us. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that we're going to find out that someone went to heaven or do you think that that they're not going to find out for a while? I, you know, I don't know because I feel like it's something that they could have within the universe of the show. It's something that can be resolved so easily. I mean, we saw how they like opened up portals and stuff like that. Like I I feel like Sir Pentress can just like write them a postcard or something from heaven. But Mm -hmm. I do think they're going to tease it out a bit more just because I think the the angels already know that Charlie knows that they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be like, oh, we don't want her to know that she's right. And then I think Emily also needs to have a big moment there. Like she vowed to help Charlie mm-hmm. at the end of the episode that took place in heaven. So I think they're going to tease it out a little bit. I don't think it needs to be teased out. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think, yeah, maybe it'll be teased out because then it's such a quick, then it's like, oh, well, then we already know that like anybody, you know, just keep working and you're going to get to heaven. Like, I think that they don't want them to know that. But what is Lilith's plan? Because she's the one that's telling them like, yeah, kill the demons in hell. Like she was the one that kind of pushed Loot and Adam to do that. So why, especially if her daughter's down there, like, and also how did she even get to heaven if then she has this bad plan? Like, yes. I think what got me the most was when Lute dropped Adam's halo in front of her and was like, Adam is gone. And I want to know why Adam was a threat if her intention was to launch that extermination day plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, they they really have us on the edge of our seat for season two. <laughs> I know. Um, speaking of Lilith, who would you like to see play her? Oh my gosh. They had to have already cast the way that like the songs are written and people are already in the recording studio. Yeah, you know who would be cool? Um, what is it, Barrett? Oh, from Heather's? Yeah, what's her name? I think it's Barrett Wilbert Weed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That does not I think sound she right. would be cool. Um, 
because she plays like these like darker characters like you know Janice Ian like you know Veronica and Heathers I think um Barrett Wilbert Weed would be a cool one um that's the first one that came to mind that I feel like would be kind of cool to see what what about you who do you think I love Daphne Rubenvega as Carmilla, but I think she would have made an amazing Lilith. I really want to see like a, a more mature person take on that role. You know, I I, mm. I like that like classic, not classic, but I guess like older Broadway vibe. Like what if we got in like a, no, not like a Patti Lapone. We need like, I don't know. Someone with like an edge. Yeah, I want someone edgy, but I also want someone more like mature, like a, a Broadway vet, you know, like a true vet. Like, I feel like, um, what about Idina Menzel? <gasps> oh, that's perfect. No, that's literally perfect. Oh, yes. my God. That would be cool. Oh, my God. We need that. That would be, because she's definitely got some edge. I mean, like Maureen yeah. Rand, like, but then also she could be, you know. She's like very sexy and mysterious. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's it. That's the winner. That's the winner right here. Um, before we wrap up, or I mean, I guess to wrap up, I would love to know a little bit about your favorite songs and if you'd be able to rank like your top three songs out of Gosh. the show. I'll give you some time to think. I'll talk about mine. I think mine yeah. are Poison more than anything and Loser Baby. But since, you know, the finale came out a day before we're recording this, I've had Ready for This stuck in my head. I think it's a really fun like Music Man moment for Charlie, like when she was like marching and like recruiting people. Um, but yeah, so Poison more than anything in Loser Baby, I think are in my like top rotation right now. Oh my gosh, I need to think. Uh, That's um, a hard one. I liked, um, hmm, this is hard. I didn't really, I need to like listen to them more, you know? I should but have I think... gave you a heads up about this question. I should oh, have given you a heads up. <laughs> but I think like some ones that like stood out to me um, were, um, let me see. Let me bring up the list of songs that have been on this season. Okay. I guess if I had to say right now, I think Hell is Forever was kind of fun because I really like Alex Brightman. And I just think that he does such a good job of like switching up his voices and stuff. And like, so I just really like seeing him in like multiple roles and like getting a chance to hear him sing. Um, he always has like such, I don't know, like there's like a nice like humor to the things that he's that he's doing in um in the songs that he has so maybe hell is forever um it starts with sorry was fun um because that's another like, alex brightman know, one too you get his serpentious in that pretty yeah, heavy serpentious with with uh with charlie and being like you, you know you would think that they're like get out of here but it's like no we're really we really are focused on you know rehabilitation it's okay like um and maybe maybe loser baby um because that's like a fun duet with like husker dust and you know kind of setting up their connection um it's also kind of our only keith david heavy song more keith yeah. david in season two that's what yeah, we need more keith david oh my gosh people love him so much and like you know how could you not you know we I need his backstory oh yeah yeah what is he doing if, like, there if each season we get like a little bit more backstory of like different people like this time I feel like it was you know um 
Vaggy and and Angel Dust. I'd love if like another season is like let's learn a little bit more about like Serpentius now that he's in heaven. Like we, I would love to know like how he even got to hell and like you know or um more about Angel Dust because I feel like he has a deep story and mm-hmm. then Husk you know or or Nifty like just hearing a little bit more about like how they got there you know who were they before um. I need to know so much more about Nifty. Like, I don't know what is going on with that girl, but I love her. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> her energy is great. Who's Final question. Favorite? Oh, oh, I was going to say. Oh, no, you go, you go. Character. That So that kind of ties in with my question as well. I was going to oh. ask you, you know, whose voice acting impressed you the most. So favorite character, probably, it's, it's Angel. I think I really, I always gravitate towards like, the most like tragic and damaged characters you can think of in like any show and like immediately I loved Angel and it was it really clicked for me I think in, in episode four when they go into his backstory a lot I was extremely scared for him going into the finale I know there were a lot of theories that he was going to die and I was like there's no way that they're gonna do that like they just discovered Blake Roman who is this like incredible talent and he also voices like the egg boys like I feel like they invested way too much <laughs> into Blake Roman to just like kill off Angel and there's just so much more story to explore there. What about you? Your turn. Take over this question. My favorite character also is probably Angel Dust. Um, I really think that him and Alex Brightman, to me, are like killing it with the voices. Like even, I don't know, just the way that like I had this like clip where um, Blake Roman like said like his favorite line and just to hear him speak and then transition into the to the angel dust voice was so cool like because you can hear a little bit in his voice but it's like really playing up like i don't know just like the i don't even know how to describe what he's playing up but he's doing something with his voice that just sounds so cool and then alex brightman the fact that he's serpentious and adam like two completely different sides of the spectrum and just sounds so awesome like i feel like his voice is adam and then he like is doing like a funny a fun voice for serpentious and like Every time I hear it, I'm just like, they're killing it. I just think they they really have such a great Broadway cast where um, the voices that they're putting on are like so strong. I don't know. I just feel like Broadway people do it better, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. So in my review for the first few episodes, I, I wrote that it's really special that you like these actors aren't afraid to not be recognizable in their characters. Like they fully embody the job of being a voice actor, which I think you so rarely see among like Hollywood talent, unfortunately. Yeah. Even with the singing too, because I I hate when like, you know, you're, you're watching something and they're, they're in a character and then now they're singing and they're just, they're normal singing. Like, I want to hear you being in the character still, you know? And I think that they do that really well in this too. Are you worried we might not get as much Alex Brightman in season two? Mm. Because that's my fear in saying where I want that storyline to go. Is I would love as much Alex Brightman as anyone will give me. I but I do like think they wrapped it. I feel like we're going to see like Serpentius and Emily maybe working together. Like I think that Serpentius will still be around, but maybe like they don't know, like in hell. But I could see him like, you know, maybe who's that other angel that doesn't, that's like friends with Emily? Is it Sarah? Is it Sarah? Sarah. So I could see her being like, oh my God, we have to cover this up. And Emily being like, oh my God, Serpentious, we have to like figure out how to work together because I don't want to get cast down either like Lucifer was, but we need to like make a change. And I could see something like that happening. And I don't know, maybe at the end of season two, someone else will go to heaven. You know, like, 
I don't want them then, to continue to be divided up. Like I am rooting for Angel. But then maybe the end will have like the per- the other person going to heaven and then them realizing like that they are there and they need to like communicate. And, Do you like, think that that means hell will no longer exist or we're going to get them separated from Charlie? I wonder if she's thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, she has this found family that like they're going to leave now. Like if like, they go what to about heaven. Maggie? Yeah, well, Vaggie was an angel, too, so... But, you know, okay, so I'm confused because, like, Vaggie is an angel who went to hell, so isn't that automatically now showing you that, like, someone can go to another location, like, and stay there? Like... Mm, you're right. But also, like, they're already dead. So, like, with Adam dying, what did that mean? Like, does he is he in hell now, or he just disappears? And, like, if you die in hell, you disappear, but then Serpentius did good stuff so that's why he went to heaven oh they left us with so many questions good for them yeah but also like i guess if they've been exterminating these demons like they're not going at what they're going to hell hell like where else are they going (laughs) Hell 2.0 yeah like they just must disappear unless we're gonna find out what happens when you get exterminated i was reading a fan theory and i don't remember where how it like ended but people were saying that they think in the world of has-been hotel it's like impossible to die or I wonder, I, you know what? We have questions. Yeah, we have a lot of questions. We need 100 seasons and they all need to have 22 episodes. Like immediately Amazon Prime needs to greenlit this right now. Yes, absolutely. Well, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining the podcast today. And I hope to have you on again soon. This was so much fun. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank Congrats you. on a new podcast. Woo! Woo!